0: Hi everybody, I'm your host Scott Kellner and you are tuned into Digital Mentorship. Digital Mentorship is a podcast designed to educate college juniors, seniors, and current professionals about career possibilities. If you can think about what you wanted to do when you were declaring a major or getting ready to graduate, is that anything close to what you ended up doing? Do you think somebody else getting ready to graduate has any idea that a job or a career or a business like yours, even exists. The goal of this podcast is to help narrow the gap between what individuals think their career must be and what it could be. Disclaimer time. Scott Kellner works in the private wealth management industry, and it's possible investments or securities are talked about on this podcast. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Time of winter was the summer Hello, and welcome to the Digital Mentorship Podcast. I'm your host, you're hot with Scott Kellner, uh, bringing you career conversations, uh, networking tips, and mentoring guidance uh, for everybody who's listening in. Today, I'm super excited. My guest is Leslie Sommerdorf. She's an executive chef uh, at Harmons, and, and uh, we're going to talk about uh, her exciting career in um, working for newspapers, uh, training to be a professional chef. Uh, And I can't wait to get it going. So bum 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 bum. I like that. Did you just say "hot
1: with Scott"? Hot with
0: Scott. Scott. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of like my slogan. That's kind of like my little uh, uh, little thing that I like to joke. It's a keeper.
1: It's definitely a keeper. Very good.
0: Well, Leslie, how are you? First of all, I should introduce. I should mention how we know each other. You're my better halves' best friend.
1: Yes, Uh, you guys
0: have known. You guys have known each other since grade school.
1: uh, oh, my gosh. Kindergarten. I don't Kindergarten. Even want to talk about how long ago that was. We were five. So that would be um, 1975.
0: I just don't like it
1: myself.
0: That's okay. That's all right. Okay. And you grew up in Olympus Cove.
1: Yes, I grew up in Salt Lake City. I went and to uh, Oak Ridge Elementary and Churchill Junior High. And then I was supposed to go to Skyline, but I went to Olympus.
0: I went to Olympus. And you studied international affairs and you were a politics so, and history major
1: which is really crazy because I was an open option major until I was a junior and then I decided and I had to do something.
0: And you went to you attended both the University of Utah and University of Colorado Boulder.
1: Yes. Yes, I did uh my first year at the U of U and then I transferred to CU Boulder and I did a study abroad for the year my junior year and then I came back to Boulder to finish my senior year.
0: And cur- currently you were yeah, and um, uh, well, I think we 'll get into you 've spent a lot of time traveling, mm-hmm. um, but currently you work for Harmon's grocery you 're a media yes. and special events chef. Yes. Um, I think anybody that if you shop at Harmon 's uh, and you 've seen the the magazines that you do, right, the uh, food for thought, i think it 's yes. all right yep. um, you cook all of that stuff in your kitchen at your house. Uh, no,
1: that, that part we do at the cooking schools, but okay. I do watch two videos that are on social media in my, well, pre-COVID, we did them at my house.
0: And uh, so one of, the, one of the things that I always like to do to help, you know, the, the people who are listening to this get to know you better and to help me get to know you is like to play two truths and a lie. Okay. And so you told me you have two birthdays, you yes. only speak English, and you were adopted. And I think you only speak English is a lie.
1: It is a lie. Right? It is a lie. I speak what Italian, they, French, and English.
0: Italian, French, and English. Wow. The last person that I interviewed, David Clark, he speaks four languages. Also. And so I have some very yeah. multi, multilingual friends. I, have some very, I only what speak. Were his la-
1: what were his languages?
0: He speaks English, Spanish, uh, Arabic, and <sighs> I don't even say it right Catalan. C-A-T-A, Catalan. Yeah. That's
1: amazing.
0: Yeah, he spent some time in, in the Middle East um, and in Spain. And, um, and so, okay, great. And so for, you know, just looking over your kind of like work experience. Uh, so right now you're an executive chef, but you've done a lot. Uh, you worked for the San Francisco Chronicle. Yep, for seven years. I
1: was and a food editor for, there.
0: And you worked for the Salt Lake Tribune.
1: Yes, I was the food editor there and a restaurant reviewer there.
0: And, and after that, you've kind of worked for, you've worked for Surlatab and now Harmon's as an executive chef.
1: Yes. Um, in between that, I, so once I got my degree, I totally just somehow needed to go to cooking school. I, yeah. I figured my passion, I was living in Italy for, oh my gosh, I think I lived there for six years and really thought like, I'm not going to do anything with international affairs. Yeah, Political science is not going to get me anywhere. So Cooking was the next best thing, and that was my passion. So I went to cooking school in San Francisco.
0: In San Francisco. And from from when did you know, like, uh, when did you first, like, feel connected with cooking, or when did you feel like you first knew you were passionate about cooking?
1: In hindsight, from a really young age. I remember being, like, eight years old and watching Julia Child on TV and Black and White on PBS, and she would make these crazy beautiful concoctions, but I... I was kind of a latchkey kid, right? So my parents would be gone. And when I got home from school and um, processed food was kind of how we, like I ate lean cuisines, like nobody's business. And, yeah. you know, Tatino's pizza and little, do you remember those Pillsbury blueberry turnovers that would come in the little can that you'd have to pop open? And then you put um, the little drizzle on the top of them. Like I thought that was dessert. And I started gobbling <laughs> with chocolate chip cookies from scratch. And then, later on, I started doing a little bit more and a little bit more. And I just realized later on that I really was excited with cooking from a really young
0: age. And so, and, and you know, this, this whole podcast is kind of like designed to try to try to give insight or help young people make decisions about their careers or what they want to mm-hmm. study. And so even though you felt like what led you, you knew you were passionate about cooking, but maybe mm-hmm. you felt like that was just like a hobby or something. And then you just, you still decided that you wanted to study history, and philosophy? Yeah.
1: I I mean, basically, like, I, so after I graduated from college, I had met an Italian on my study abroad, and I moved to Milan, Italy for six years. While I was there, I worked in a, a law firm. I was a secretary in a law firm. It was a joint venture between a law firm in London and a law firm in Rome and Milan. So I did my work in Italian, or excuse me, in English with an English lawyer, while the rest of the secretary pool were Italian secretaries. So Mm. little, I didn't know one word of of Italian, but little by little, I started to learn Italian. Um, Obviously, my boyfriend spoke Italian, but we, in the beginning, spoke French together. So I got a little bit of that legal thing, but I was also doing some cooking classes at the same time. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is absolutely what I want to do. So it took me that six years after college to say, I really want to follow my passion and go to cooking school. So that's when I came back to the States, researched the heck out of cooking schools, and ended up going to the California Culinary Academy in San Francisco. And then um, worked odd jobs. Like I kind of worked at Wells Fargo in their Y2K office, if you even remember, right? debacle <laughs> that people thought was going to happen. It never happened. So I worked there part-time while I was going to cooking school. And then I scored a job at the San Francisco Chronicle in food journalism. So it was literally in the food and wine sections where I started. And I just... I love to be nitpicky and find little errors in like grammatical errors and misspellings and things like that. So that was really my forte was in journalism. And that's really where like talking about food, having an opinion about food, specifically I wanted to be a restaurant critic. But when I found out how difficult it was and how formulaic it is, you know, just because you go to all these beautiful, fancy restaurants does not mean you're eating high on the hog. Some of them are horrific, yet you have to write about them. So I found that to be really, really difficult. I would go as an intern out with the restaurant reviewers and it was fantastic to be able to eat for free on the Chronicles dime and then know that these people were the ones that were going to have to write the review, not me. That was like the best job ever to be their little person that they, their plus one, you know, but that's when I knew I wanted to write about food versus like, uh, you know, just, I never wanted to go into restaurant work. I had done catering, but um yeah, so food just started to evolve. So the journalism thing happened for 14 years. And then after that, I got a job at Surlatab, So then I started to actually
0: teach people how to cook. And, and my whole go ahead. Well, well I, I, just, I guess I was going to say, um, and you kind of just touched on it, was you, you never saw yourself as being like a restaurateur or being an executive chef necessarily at a restaurant. Uh, I wanted,
1: no, I wanted to be able to go to cooking school to be able to have the cred, the street cred, to critique someone. right? Like I wanted to be a restaurant reviewer. I needed to know what mirepoix was. I needed to know what, you know, how to make a French sauce or how, whatever. I couldn't just walk in there and be like, I hated it. I loved it. You know, who is this crazy lady?
0: <laughs> I just I just learned what mirepoix, mirepoix was the other day. It's like the it's the vegetables in the soup yes, a soup. Yes, it's two times yeah.
1: onions, one time celery, one time carrot.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I, okay. you know, c- cooking is tricky. I mean, lots of French words. Lots of French like, words. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But at the same time, that isn't to say that you can't come up in the ranks in a restaurant situation, right? Right. You can be classically trained or you can be come up in the ranks.
0: And so now I guess if we you know, think about now think about where you are now um and like what you're doing at Harmons. um you know i always love i always love my favorite thing about what you do is when you go on like the local news channels like channel five and you do kind of like here's how to i just i pulled up a video of you uh uh trying to like keep it cajun you were like keeping it cajun you were cooking plantains and other stuff like that that was kind of like an older video uh, but I can really tell like when you're doing stuff like that, how much passion you have for cooking and how much passion you have for food. And I know I've been over to your house for dinner and I always like watching you. You could, you know, you could tell a lot about, I think how good a cook, you know, just by the way, they move around in the kitchen and um, yeah, you move around with a lot of, with a lot of uh, purpose, man. You move around with a lot of focus. I mean, my goal
1: from be- the very beginning, this was very, uh, a unicorn job. It was created because Harmons was taking its deli chefs and seeing if they had any sort of media um, experience and just sticking them on television. Yeah. I mean, they hadn't really been trained. They hadn't, re- you know, as long as they were like passionate and they could express themselves clearly, that's what they were doing and then uh, one of their pr people basically said can we make a position that the person would exclusively be doing this and so it was kind of a unicorn job but it was absolutely perfect because i'm passionate i'm opinionated and my whole goal is to just get people to cook not necessarily from scratch i'd really like them to use fresh ingredients and quality ingredients but that's my main goal if you're sitting at a table with someone else that's my goal i don't i don't like this whole tv dinner thing all alone and, you know, to hear that people aren't having Sunday dinners anymore just breaks my heart and, you know, that kind of thing. So that was my goal.
0: Have you, um, so family dinners are a big thing in your house?
1: Yeah, every, I mean, we pretty much have dinner, I would say at least five to six nights a week together. Now I have teenagers now, so it could last six minutes. Yeah. And I've cooked however long. I understand that completely. But the fact that we're sitting together, we're at least talking a little bit that I think makes a big difference in a family. I
0: think I was raised kind of like the same way where, or in a similar way where like family dinner was kind of like, a, you know, everybody was, you know, you're supposed to be there. We sit down and, you know, everybody, at least, you know, uh, until you finish your plate or you can't. And, uh, and yeah, we talked about the day, talk about things going on. And my, mm-hmm. I always really appreciate it. Both of my parents were really good chefs. Both of my parents were really good cooks and both of them cared a lot about, um, you know, what, what was for dinner. So I was fortunate. Um, I was fortunate to grow up um, in kind of a similar thing. And so I guess, you know, looking back on, on your career and, and what you've done, I mean, what do you think is like one of the things that you would be, that you would say you're like the most proud of? Wow.
1: You know, the funny thing is I've probably been on TV over 300 times now and there's mm-hmm. just consider those like four news stations. And, um, it, people go, how can you be, aren't you nervous? Aren't you like, it just kind of comes a second nature now. And I really don't like if somebody sees me in Harmons and they're like, you're that lady on TV.
0: <laughs>
1: what do you remember what I made? Like, do you feel like cooking that? Like that to me, I don't want to like get a big head about it at all because I just, I'm just giving the Harmons message, you know, cook this awesome thing and you can get the ingredients at Harmons, kind of a thing. Right. But, I, I would probably say follow your passion, you know, like I, my parents never, basically their goal was to get me through college. So I ended up getting my bachelor's degree and then three years later getting my associate's degree. So I kind of did it backwards because I was 27 years old going to cooking school with 18 year olds who were like out of the gate. I want to do, I'm to be a chef. I want to be the next celebrity chef or I want to own my own restaurant. And I never had those grandiose ideas about that. It was really interesting to have a a class of 19 people and have the age range be from 18 years old to 27, because we were definitely taking it much more seriously than some of the 18 year olds I'll tell you that. But, um, and some of them have stuck. I, I keep in touch with them and some of them have stuck into the, in the, in that same profession. But, um, by that time, by 27, I really knew what I wanted to do. So, they had this book that was like a thousand careers you could have with a culinary education. And it was really kind of amazing, like things that I never even thought about, right? Beyond the restaurant world. Um, you could go on to become a sommelier and, and be a master sommelier. You could become a cheesemonger, a certified cheesemonger, which Harmons has several of them. And that takes three years of work to do. And you, I mean, there's rigorous, rigorous training involved in that. And I love cheese, so I'm like, maybe I should do that. Then there's like being a dietitian. You could be a trained chef and be a dietitian. There were so many avenues for me. Now, granted, it's not like, you know, uh, you're being a stockbroker or something, and you're going to make six figures a year. I'm, I'm here to tell you that is not the case. <laughs> that said, money isn't everything. And if you're able to, um, you know, have a partner who, who, you know, has another great job, and we, ma- we manage, right? Um, so both of us follow our passions. My husband was a photojournalist and okay. I am this cooker type person. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know that's what you, you, I think your son Miles, he tells people that that's what you do is you're a cooker. He says you're a you're cooker. A mom.
1: You're a good cooker mom, yeah. you're a good cooker. So I, I stick with that. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I never really considered myself a chef until when I worked at Solitude's Yurt for a yeah. winter and I had to cook dinner several times in a, a week for people, a five-course meal. You've been to the yurt. I didn't yeah, cook. I love
0: it. Yeah. No.
1: But it's grueling. You have to schlep everything up and schlep everything back and basically create a restaurant in a an unheated space.
0: I, mean, I, think, I think that's kind of one of the interesting things about being um, a chef, or at least when I think about, like, when I think about, like, Wolfgang Puck, Emeril Lagasse, Bobby Flay, kind of, I guess, like, I guess what you would call, like, the celebrity chef, it seems like, you know, to be, you know, kind of in the upper, you know, to be like really successful seems crazy competitive. I oh, mean, I
1: percent of the population is that. Is, like, yeah, just not, and it wasn't ever something that I a knew I was capable of. B wanted to be like I just couldn't even. Like I think of Cat Cora and like oh great you've got a lot of places in airports, like that's yeah. just not something. Or oh you have a line of pans. It's just not something that I ever wanted. I just want to help people cook. That, yeah. that was kind of, it's, it's always been my goal. So.
0: What other, um, in terms of like journalism, um, owning restaurants, um, you know, what kind of, what do you think some of the other areas, um, I guess like of like the professional of like of the food industry that you would maybe be, maybe be interested in. Um, I mean, kind of just like, kind of like you said, like, uh, Uh, I mean, cooking, cooking appliances, cooking, you know, the the tools that you use to cook, um, you know, it's kind of like a whole other, other, I guess, aspect or realm of that. I mean, what, what other areas do you think are maybe interesting that you, that you haven't really explored?
1: Several of my friends and colleagues are personal chefs. Um, Park City is a huge place for that. Uh, It allows them to travel. Oftentimes if they score a nice gig They'll spend a few months in Park City. They'll spend a few months in Santa Barbara. They'll spend a few months wherever the yacht takes them. You know, things like that. Um, Food styling. Food styling is gigantic. If you can become a great food stylist, I mean, you know, you will have commercial clients and they'll be flying you wherever, wherever to like shoot a yogurt, like Danon, right? So you're, I mean, you're either assembling a hamburger for Wendy's or you're... You know, and I, I have some food stylist friends who did go to cooking school. Another one did not go to cooking school, but has the forte, just has that fine arts degree. So they have that going for them. Um, again, food journalism, cookbook writing is also gigantic. Uh,
0: and you've, you've helped write, you've helped write some cookbooks or, or writing. Um,
1: for about uh, 10 years, I edited cookbooks for William sonoma Right. Which was sensational because they would always send me cookbooks and I'd have to look at them as a style guide, so I've got a good like fifty or sixty in my collection just from Words of from. <laughs> but it sure is nice to have my name in the back. That like, oh hey, I edited this.
0: Edited by, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, have you ever thought about writing a cookbook yourself or doing a cookbook? I mean, I feel like you, I feel like that, like kind of like tees you. I mean, you have you have the edit, you have the uh, the the grammatical background, the editing background, all the background experience at newspapers, editing cookbooks. Uh, you're on TV. Uh, I feel like, you know, you have, so you have kind of like, uh, uh a brand or a presence. I mean, Harmon's would probably totally back you, or I feel like if you, and, then, and kind right of the food for, it. the food for thought thing is kind of like a micro cookbook a little bit. It's yeah, kind of like yeah, a micro Yeah,
1: you're absolutely right about that. One of my first jobs with the San Francisco Chronicle as an intern was Michael Bauer, who is the executive restaurant critic, was creating this book and it was called Secrets of Success. And mm. he had spent a year and a half going to all these awesome hot restaurants in San Francisco and getting signature recipes from the chefs mm. and finding the secret to that specific recipe. And I was the intern who got to had to recipe test every single recipe, take it over to the department, have people taste it. Like as you would, as good you as would
0: as- remake everything. You would <laughs> he'd be like he'd be like, here's the recipe, make sure this is it. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that, was really yeah. uh, that sounds pretty cool that sounds, that sounds like cool. I mean that's uh, uh so yeah you were you were cooking you were cooking other people's best recipes uh, yeah. as a job and then serving yeah, I'll it never to your body
1: the first time I ever had to work with quail I'd never worked with quail in my life and I was like these little baby birds what am I supposed to do with baby <laughs> I was like deep frying them in this awesome Vietnamese sauce it was it was it really made me think outside of the box let me tell you
0: <laughs> well I think I mean you know Amy and I both both love to cook we actually haven't been doing you'd be disappointed we haven't been doing a lot of cooking uh lately we've been kind of distracted and working on other things and because uh, cooking does take you know I feel like uh cooking does take you know some it can take some time I mean I think there's there's ways you can hack it and you can make it go by faster like for instance I love buying um the pre-prepared vegetables um I think that's like that that the fact that Harmons so pre-cuts time. them for you yeah isn't that yeah. crazy it's, it's so much better and uh uh but i mean i always feel like uh, cooking is so great because you can be so creative uh you can be uh so so passionate about it i mean i always feel like uh whenever amy cooks or or, or whenever my my father i feel like does this the best i feel like whenever i eat something he can like he can like microwave uh left he could like combine all these leftovers microwave them together put some sauce on there or something and it'll be it, it'll be great and and i just know it's because it's made with love or something you know he just puts so yeah. much love into it and yeah. and
1: i love that just being able to have your family critique or like i like this i didn't like this should i make it again like what do you think about that or later on they'll be like can you make that thing that you made that last time you know so it's it is a labor of love but that's kind of my love language right feeding people
0: and so i know we've kind of been how long we've we been going we started a timer
1: I didn't turn it on because I'm uh, totally speaking it. Okay. I think, it. I think, like I think 20 25 minutes.
0: minutes. Yeah, yeah. Tw- yeah, 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I guess I'm wondering now, um, if we kind of maybe look towards, maybe look towards the future a little, um, what do you see uh, in terms of maybe what trends you're seeing in food? Where do you kind of see, like, I mean, I think COVID has had a big impact on maybe people are starting to cook at home.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you're seeing gigantic um, increases in uh, basically grocery stores are making a killing. What can I say? Right? If you can't go to a restaurant, where else are you going to go? Granted, people are going to eat like takeout and stuff like that, but people are cooking more than ever. I think post COVID, what you're going to see is you're going to see way more e-commerce stuff. I think a lot of people are doing um, you know, like grocery uh, ordering online, pickups, deliveries, things like that, where you're kind of, it's it's a touchless experience. Whereas that's been my only grace at during COVID is my one place I'll go is to Harmon's because I get to see my people, right? Like Brickyard is my place. I know right. everybody. I kind of spend time talking to them through masks right. and six foot distancing. But I think also, um uh Grocery stores are kind of becoming a restaurant. I believe that's going to be another trend. You're going to have restaurants inside of grocery stores. Mm. Uh, Harman's already prides itself on having a pretty good from scratch delicatessen and their bread is outstanding and their gelato is outstanding. Um, So I can see that next phase being like a, a restaurant in the grocery store. They want it to be an all encompassing thing.
0: Right. Kind of like a little like a little cafe or something like that. Oh. Yeah. That's interesting.
1: Like using our products from the grocery store, and we are the restaurant is cooking for you right from the grocery store.
0: What what's happening in terms of uh like maybe consumer pressure on restaurants in terms of um you know, maybe like grass, like grass-fed beef or kind of like maybe Uh, food that's, 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 you know, treated more humanely. Yes. More locally. Like people are more
1: eco-conscious. Yes. I mean, the, the vegan, the plant-based products have skyrocketed. We're talking like 300%. So Harman's used to have a vegan section. Now they're incorporating vegan into every single category. Right. Mm. So, um, you're not just going to see your dairy-free like quote-unquote dairy items, right? You're not going to just have a vegan meat section. The the vegan stuff is going to be right next to the beef and the pork. So that's becoming huge. Um, Also like recyclable products, like Harman's is trying to go completely sustainable and eco-friendly by I think it's 2022. So I think that grocers realize what consumers want. They don't want waste, they want quality. Um, the organic thing has kind of gone by the wayside because it's more like a, an aesthetic, right? If you know that your farm is already doing everything possible to be organic, they're just not like getting the certification of being organic, you know, because that's kind of been a little, a little shady. But as long as you know like where your stuff is coming from, Harman's definitely tries to, to um, supply as much of that as possible.
0: Uh, that's that's interesting. I mean I, I feel like um, you know I I like it that consumer pressure can kind of like influence how businesses respond. Or I, I'm just happy to see I guess that grocery stores are adapting towards like consumer preferences and right. and and I think that's I think that's important an important thing in terms of minimizing the eco food and beef is you know, it's I mean it just touching on the vegan thing. I mean uh, meat and like beef can have a very large impact on the environment compared to vegan products that, that where there's so many, I mean, you have uh, uh, impossible or uh, impossible, impossible and then beyond. impossible burger beyond and, mm-hmm. and seeing more things like that. Um, but
1: that said, like, for example, Harman's has sourced its beef so that we're not getting them from those horrific cattle lots. We're getting them from right. like bar 10 beef, which is a local, you know, very sustainable. It's been incredible. We actually did a huge podcast with them. We, I am also involved in a podcast called The Taste right. of Harmons with my colleague, Brandon Young. And um, we've, we've featured a few of these amazing beef growers. And it's incredible the lengths that they go to. It, they basically had these 10,000 acres of horrific land and they spent years and years and a ton of money getting that that ground to be fertile again And then they would rotate, they'd be rotated it all. And they're like on the Utah Arizona border. It's an incredible thing. So it's like we get 10 cows from them a week kind of a thing. And (laughs) so we know exactly where this beef is coming from and what they're being fed and everything. So I think that's, that's the direction that that grocery stores are going for sure. The the more high end ones, I guess I should
0: say. uh, Yeah. And um, what, uh, so I guess if you were to think about, um, you know when you were when you were getting ready. I mean, you didn't go to culinary school until like way later. I mean, your your career almost kind of was like split in half, or like kind of had like two like your there was your journalism career and then your and then your cooking career. Um, but I guess maybe if you were if you were to look back um, and when you were kind of like making some of those choices about you know whether to study journalism or just go into food or or you know what what do you think you would tell um, tell yourself or tell somebody who is in who's in a similar situation whether or not maybe they should choose like the more practical route, which is, which kind of feels like journalism for you or versus like your passion, which was cooking. And and so what do you think advice you would give yourself?
1: I don't think I would have done it any differently, to be honest Mm -hmm. with you. The part that that just brings, like, I'm just remembering this from my Chronicle days is we had a, a department of 12 people and it was really very evenly divided. Six people had gone to journalism school, and six people had gone to culinary school. And to see the collaboration between the twelve of us—if somebody didn't know what mirepoix was—they were—they knew how to write a nut graph. And I'm like, what the heck is a nut graph? And then you know, what is your lead? What is your ending? It's got to have the body. It's got to have this. I mean, I'd written enough papers, right? But as far as journalism is a totally different beast. So we would confab on, on like, let me give you a little bit of like cooking 101 and then you're going to give me like, here's what I need. I wrote a whole cover story on caterers because I thought caterers were be- being given a disservice in the Bay Area because there's all these restaurants and all this stuff. But what about the caterers in the world? So I did this whole thing and organized it where I had like 10 or 12 caterers come in and bring their signature dish in, and we would critique every dish and then we would vote on them. And then we, I wrote up this huge article on them. And I was so, so shocked and amazed as as an intern, I had a cover story and I will never forget the couple wrote me a letter and said, because of your story, we are now able to afford childcare and not take our kids on our cooking gigs with us. Like, oh my gosh, what are you talking about? Like I had given them enough business that it's like my few little words as a lowly little intern had done that. And just, it really just inspired me. So if I didn't have that passion, I don't think I would have, I don't, I don't know if I would have cared as much. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. know. So I think the passion was the thing that I couldn't deny, right? Yeah. If I said, well, I'm only going to make $38,000 a year. Well, guess what? I can't just go to a job that I hate every day and make $75,000 a year. Because at the end of the day, I'm going to be so mad that why did I get into this when I really hate it? Yeah. So, I really think what you're passionate about. I feel like if you can rule out what you don't like, that was kind of my deal. I know I don't want to go into baking. I know I don't, I'm not good at numbers. So, why force it?
0: <laughs> why measure things so meticulously?
1: Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's why I prefer cooking to baking. Right? Yeah. It's not as exact. Um, but I kind of re- learned over time what my forte was. I knew what I could and I couldn't do. I knew I couldn't stand up for fourteen hours a day in a restaurant, so I knew working in a restaurant was out, just because physically, I. Yeah, long story short, uh, I knew restaurants. Working in restaurants, it's hard. It's so very hard, um, but I knew there were other facets that I could totally get into. So, yeah, follow your passion.
0: Follow your passion. That's that's that. Well, I think that's that's great advice that I think rings true to um, to anybody. You know, I think one of the reasons why. Um, I started this podcast was because I feel passionate about helping helping people um, you know and, and I'm I enjoy um, learning about what people do and learning about what other people are passionate about. And um, and I always loved uh, like coaching lacrosse and like helping uh, you know working with young people. And so that was kind of why I thought this was this would be something that I'd be I think it's a fabulous in idea. Doing.
1: It's a fabulous idea because I was talking earlier to you about this. And in Europe, it seems like people have a little bit more idea about what they're going to do earlier in life. Yeah. Whereas we kind of flail a little bit. If I was an open option major until I was a junior in college, that tells you something. Like, I knew what I did not want to do, but it was still very nebulous.
0: Right. Making making the decision seem nebulous. Yeah. yeah. And well, I know, um, you know, we're kind of running up um, against our time here, but I wanted to ask you, um, you know, you are very passionate about uh, traveling, and experiencing other cultures. And you feel like that's a really important experience. And I guess I just wanted to ask you, um, you know, kind of like, uh, uh, why you feel like that's so important, and, and maybe uh, suggest some, some of your favorite places to travel.
1: Uh, I, when I was in high school, basically, when I was 18, I could not wait to get out of Utah. I wanted no part of Utah. I just wanted to escape because um, I knew there was more out there. I just, I just, I don't know. I had this desire to get out. Um, Colorado, I mean, it's the next state over. Why on earth would I just, you know, it was just far <laughs> enough away, right? 45 minute flight. Um, um, it wasn't until I went to France and I had traveled kind of a lot with my family, but more like Hawaii and Mexico, and like kind of the usual trips, right? But when I lived in France, I went to six countries in 12 days with a friend. My mom came over and we did like a Mediterranean cruise and hit another six countries. So I've probably hit most of the Western European countries for sure. Asia, I still have to hit South America, still have to hit Africa. But I find that traveling really puts you in touch with other cultures in a way and I, specifically through food, like being curious about their food. To me, that is like a bridge that you don't have to speak their language in order. If they see you enjoying their food, like that right there is a bond. And I think that the more we learn about other cultures, um, the kinder we are, the more respectful we are, the more um, less jaded we are, I yeah. guess. Um,
0: maybe, maybe, maybe tolerant, maybe more tolerant. Of- yeah of of, 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 our differences, you know, the differences that people have. Right.
1: um... I'll tell you a quick anecdote. When I was in France for the very first time, I was 15 years old, and I walked into a parfumerie, and there was this horrific Texan who had just finished up and left. And the woman was so bugged, because he was going, parlez-vous anglais, and doing this horrificness. And I just looked at her, and I was absolutely, like, freaking out. And I was like, pardon and the woman looked at me and she goes, "Was that American? And I said, yes, I am American. And she goes, thank you so much for trying to speak my language in my country. Yeah. A lot of these people, these tourists come in and they expect me to know their language. And just because you're trying it means everything in the world to me. And I just melted. I was like, oh my God, that was so right. Like, <laughs> that's all I needed, right? I don't, I don't even remember what I bought, but it was just like, oh it's hard to speak in another language, but once you're giving them the respect that they deserve.
0: Right. I mean,
1: yeah, it was an awesome thing. I'll never so forget I, that.
0: I, I have one last question for you, which is, um, I guess, since you have traveled around, you know, the world a lot, and you've tried a lot of different, is, what would be sort of like your favorite, uh, your favorite type of food, I guess, I mean, is, is it Italian, since you spent so I'm much time in Italy? I'm most comfortable with
1: Italian. But I but to, yeah to eat
0: not necessarily not necessarily to prepare
1: sushi Japanese food there is an art those people are incredible my mom um, had the pleasure of spending a summer like I think it was 1965 64 in Japan because my uncle was stationed over there with the judge advocate general's office so she spent a month or three months over there I think it was the entire summer and then she just she. Proceeded to bring Japan to our house, and so we had a tatami room basically in our living room. We had shoji screens up, and we had all these tapestries, and it was like being in Japan in our living room. So I have never been, and I would love, love, love to go. And my son Miles, he loves anime, and he loves ramen. The kid cannot get enough, like real ramen. And so I think we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to hit Japan. So I, I think sushi, yeah, sushi. sushi. Because it's just I've an tried, art form. They make food be an art form. That's amazing. Yeah,
0: that's that's true. I've I've tried making sushi one time, and I thought Amy and I did a class together. I was thinking, oh yeah, this would be great. Like this would be something that we can do at home sometimes. And after after we did the class, I just I kind of thought that uh, no no, I don't think so. I think we're just gonna go out for sushi.
1: I'll tell you a tiny little secret. In all of the cooking classes I've ever taught, which is up into the hundreds by now. I have never taught a sushi class because if it takes you seven years to master sushi rice in Japan, yeah. how on earth could I think and be so naive to think that I'm going to create sushi that's edible for someone? So I just say, I draw the line at sushi. You can get yeah. someone else to teach sushi in here, but I just refuse because those, I just feel like I'm being disrespectful. You know.
0: Right. Well, my the whatever I created in that sushi class was absolutely disrespectful. Uh, and, but uh, uh, Leslie, this is this has been so great. Thank you so much for You're for welcome. coming on the show. How can people how can people follow you? How can they find you? What's the best way for them oh to gosh. get in touch with you?
1: Well, I think on Instagram, my name is Food F O O D B U G G. Foodbug. Um, otherwise, on Harmon's Grocery Stores on Facebook and on Instagram, yeah. you'll see my hands on all the how-to videos that we do. And I do this <laughs> a lot of the time. Did you see me dress up like the octopus for the seafood frenzy?
0: Have you seen Oh, uh, no, I missed I miss the octopus. You had a funny outfit for Halloween, though. Yeah, uh, I
1: do. Well, every year we have it for the seafood frenzy because it's just a big seafood sale. All the right clam I've been a lobster I've
0: been an oyster you know little things little things uh well Leslie thank you so much for coming on the show I really appreciate it I enjoyed talking it was to you. It's
1: my pleasure thank you
0: big big thank you to my guest Leslie Summerdorf for coming on this episode of digital mentorship make sure to follow Leslie on Instagram at foodbug and at Harman's grocery and follow her on Facebook at Harman's grocery stores to catch all of her cooking updates and how-to videos and a big thank you to all of you for tuning in. Digital mentorship is designed to provide insight to different types of careers, journeys, and stories. If you feel like Leslie's story could help someone you know, please share this with them. And for more stories like Leslie's, make sure you check out yourhotwithscott.com. For more things digital mentorship, follow me on social media and subscribe to the Your Hot With Scott YouTube channel. We'll see you guys winter. next time.